It's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls, tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls Podcast. On this week's episode, a return to an old formation saw the Red Bulls return to the win column against an old rival. Plus, we preview another big Saturday night contest at Red Bull Arena as the Red Bulls welcome the Eastern Conference leading Columbus crew to Harrison. Hello everyone, welcome once again to the Full of Bulls podcast. Alongside Alfredo Fumasas tonight, it's me, Mike Corbett. We're talking to you all things affiliated with the New York Red Bulls. Follow us on our Twitter page, at FOBS Podcast, Instagram, at Full of Bulls. And find us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. This week's episode, we're going to just talk a little bit about the progress we've seen with the Red Bulls since our last podcast two weeks ago, which covered uh, this one will cover a little bit about the Orlando loss and the D.C. victory last Saturday. Some good news on the injury front, and we're going to preview the big matchup Saturday night at Red Bull Arena against the Eastern Conference leading Columbus crew. Alfredo, how you doing this week, buddy? I know we, we missed out last week. We had a few guys injured here, a few guys uh, away. But we're back off of our yeah, Mike. I'm, break. Uh, I I am well, man. I'm well. I'm I'm glad to be back here. And you know, I I wanted to apologize to the handful of listeners that we have that we didn't put out a podcast last week. But some conflicting schedules, uh, some professional, some personal, yeah. uh, didn't allow us to uh, put this together. But we're here. We're here now. We're here to uh, give you our take on what's been going on with the Red Bulls this past two weeks, and I'm ready to go. All right, and as I was saying, that a few of our podcasts earlier this year, whether it was yourself, whether it was uh, Cristiano or Eric, when we were on here talking about some of the struggles that the Red Bulls had been having on offense, attacking, and a lot of it, people were uh, blaming the 4-2-2-2 formation, and a lot of times when they switched in games back to their old formation, we've seen them look a little bit better. We, we sort of saw him go a little bit two weeks ago against the Orlando game. It was a loss, one nothing down there at uh, Orlando City Stadium. It was off a set piece, uh, a corner kick early in the game. But we did see the Red Bulls. They looked a little bit more aggressive. They had about 61% uh, percent percentage that uh, pos- um, possession percentage that night. And they just couldn't get it done. You know, some missed shots. Uh, Bendik had some nice saves. And we saw a little bit again last week with D.C. They came out. And first half, they had some opportunities, but it wasn't really um, much going on. Second half, boom, they got the goal from Alex Mule, as we find out that we always been saying Alex Mule, but now we found out that it's Mule. And <laughs> so he, he got he got the uh, one past Hamid, and about 10, uh, it was around the 62nd minute, BWP strikes again, goes right through the legs of Bill Hamid, and the Red Bulls, they snap. Their two-game losing streak, and they also had a four-game winless streak, too. So they're back on this, the, the win column, the 2 nothing victory there at Red Bull Arena. You were sitting alongside me during the match, Alfredo. Just uh, some, some of your thoughts, what you've seen from the Red Bulls the past two weeks that we hadn't seen earlier this season. Well, Mike, I think that we could finally put a stone on a 4-2-2-2 formation. Uh, Jesse has finally abandoned it, and I think that on, on the – 
the preview of the Orlando game, which we we actually did a podcast, the preview mm -hmm. of the Orlando game. I had mentioned that I thought that uh, Jesse Marsh would go back to the 4-2-3-1 because the 4-2-2-2 wasn't really giving the Red Bulls a lot of uh, chances. They weren't creating as much. Uh, people that needed a lot of touches on the ball, such as Sasha Kleshin, weren't getting the touches on the ball. So we finally changed, and, and we did see something from uh, the Red Bulls. Obviously, going down to Orlando, it's always going to be a tough game, especially now that with their own stadium, with that purple, what do they call it, purple wall, is it? That they uh, call it yeah, whatever. There? Yeah, I, I forgot. It's what purple exactly something. And they have two or three supporters groups. But, yeah, it was amazing. It's actually all standing, the, the one supporter section, almost like you would see back in England in the 70s and 80s, where right. it's just the standing section. Right. So uh, the Red Bulls played uh played had a decent game i should say they do did uh, allow that game in, in a set piece and i think that's a now a few times that the red bulls have a lot uh, goals and set pieces uh they did push towards the end of the game and they were unfortunate not to get the equalizer i think from what they did um in the last uh, i would say 20 minutes of the game against orlando they mm -hmm. deserved an equalizer and they should have split up the points and came out of south florida with half the points uh, as orlando but there wasn't to be um then now we have a a, a three game stretch that where the red bulls will be at home and the first game was against dc i actually had a chance to speak to somebody within the red bulls organization before the game uh and he was pretty confident that uh that the red bulls weren't to get back on on a on a winning track uh it's very encouraging and especially now with three games at home albeit against tough opposition that it was the perfect time for the red bulls to pick up some momentum of course the red bulls have yet Uh, to lose at home uh, this year, uh, three games uh, and none of them uh, losses. So it's encouraging. And and the Red Bull Arena really has been such a fortress for the Red Bulls. The Red mm -hmm. Bulls, I think they have the best home game, uh, the, mess, the best home record uh, in the MLS when playing at Red Bull Arena. So it's encouraging to see it. Um, against DC, as you've mentioned, uh, decent game by the Red Bulls, nothing too flashy in the first half uh, if you want to if you want to look at it that way but the red bulls did dominate um a very weak dc team this is far from being the dc teams of years past where they right. they always came up uh came up to i-95 and gave the red bulls a, a very tough game uh they did give the red bulls tough game physically but i think that they were very far away from the Re the, the dc united teams that we've seen in the past yeah there wasn't um I think it was sometime late in the game we were going, does, did uh, Robles even make a save tonight? And we were looking at the stats. This is, well, according to the stats, it said he has a save. But uh, I never really saw anything in particular that he put him really under duress. I think there was maybe something earlier in the game where it, it went over the bar. Um, but other than that, he wasn't really under much pressure, as you said. It's not one of your DC teams that you would see in the past, with, but it is uh, a rivalry game nonetheless, and you know that would be physical, could get a little chippy, but in the end, they wound up getting the 2-0 victory. Um, and one thing, as you were saying, with the Red Bulls' home record, something that Jesse, uh, during the post game did say something about in MLS, in particular this year, I guess, or also recently, how... The home teams just always seem to win. They don't seem to lose. And that is something that's going to be critical, at least with these next three, well, the one that's already passed them, but the, the next two games to try to 
get back, uh, obviously, because they did play a game early in the year during a, a break, so they're ahead of everyone to, to gain points at home. As we said, it was a victory, but I guess not to throw complete rain on, on the parade, but there were some things that were still play, plaguing the Red Bulls, I would say, where yeah. they are misfiring. They're not really they're, – they're attacking. The best, I guess, the, the description would be where I, I see this year as a Manchester United fan where – it looks a lot better compared to you know, Manchester United this year compared to where they were on the LBG, where it wasn't very slow, wasn't really attacking. Well, you see them attacking, but they don't really convert all their chances. They're either off the woodwork or they, they miss wide or they get blocked. And it, it's almost that we're seeing the same thing again with the Red Bulls, where if it's not really BWP, I know Alex Muil got the one in. If it's not BWP, a lot of these other guys are really misfiring. Is that something that's still really concerning? Or you, you still think it's maybe just something early season, just getting all the, the kinks out? No, it's definitely early season because it's amazing, right? It's amazing how much better BW. You would think that a guy like BWP would benefit from another guy pulling the attention away from from the central defenders and, and from other defenders uh, from marking BWP. But I actually think, and, and I happen to, to my opinion is that he's so much better when he's playing alone because he has a lot more space to roam. He can sneak in uh, behind guys. He can get on on another guy's shoulder. He can confuse guys as to who's marking him and who's mm -hmm. not uh, and I think that he feels so much more comfortable he's also by being a one guy he could pull defenses out of position to let guys like Alex Mule I love saying that Mule Mule, Mule uh, Alex Mule and, and and Royer get in there also Sasha gives uh, some some targets uh, targets for Sasha to play the ball into the final third and I think that uh, it's only a matter of time before we see um, BWP getting back to his production as a matter of fact I was reading an article today that said that his goal tally so far uh, which I don't have the number in front of uh, me but it matches his best seasons, uh, uh, his best productive seasons of years past. I think uh, 2014 and 2015, if I'm not mistaken, and I might be mistaken. Forgive me if I'm if I uh, got that wrong because I don't have that in front of him of me. He's got he's got three right now in the season. Right. So he's got three and seven seven games. Right. Um. But the article did say that that. The way he's starting now is is similar to the way he started on those se se seasons where he had such a high production of goals. So it's encouraging to see him get back. Uh, and I think that the fact that uh, that Jesse Marsh abandoned the four two two two, players feel a lot more comfortable. Um, you know, it, it's tough for a player to come out and and speak against the the coach or against the tactics that are being implemented, especially when they're new. I think as a good professional, you just do your job. You go in there and do the best you can with the with the direction that you're given by your coach. But I think that uh, not having that comfort level that you had with the four-two-three-one, which is something that you've been playing for the past couple of years, uh, is something that makes players feel uneasy. Uh, there's perhaps a lacks uh, a lack of, of confidence uh, by the players because 
they're being told, okay, this is the best uh, formation for, for us. Uh, and then players are not really seeing the results. They're working just as hard and they're not seeing the, the, the results pay off from, from the formation, from what Jesse is telling them. So I think that getting back into that 4-2-3-1 is something that the players are confident with. It's something that players know that there's going to be results as, as, a, as, as, a, as it relates to the new formation and as it relates to them being comfortable. And I think that's encouraging. And, and I think that the players now could probably lay down their head at night and say, thank God we're yeah. now playing in an all too familiar formation. Well, BWP is not really a big of my worries when he's misfiring because he's almost like a big home run hitter. who's going to hit you. He's going to hit you 30, 35 home runs a year. You're talking baseball terms, not necessarily you know soccer terms with the goals. And you know, but he's going to strike out is a fair amount of time. So I'm not worried about his misses. I'm just worried about some of these other guys where they're misfiring, but yet they're not really converting on the really good opportunities they have. Uh, Royer comes to mind where you know he's showing signs of life, but just you know a lot of his shots are still going all over the place where. You want to see have, a little bit yeah. more of these, at least on target, at least you know, starting to find the back of the net. Yeah, I happen to think that Royer's biggest asset is really his aerial game. Uh, he really gets up there. He's a guy that works very hard, but I don't think he's a guy that could take a guy or a two on and, and, and just fire right. off a shot. I think that's more of BWP's uh, game. I also think that's more of Muil's game. Um, and some of the guys that going that going to get into this final third, that are going to get into, involved as uh, because of all the combination passing that the Red Bulls are, are typically known for. They're going to get into the final third, and some guys are going to spring free. Some guys are going to overlap. There's going to be guys running behind defenses, and I'm I'm not worried at all. Uh, let's not forget we still have Verone, which apparently. Uh, came back we'll get, to yeah. We'll get to him in a little, a little bit too. Him and uh, right. Grella. They'll have Verone. You have Gold Branson, which came from Europe, and albeit in the middle of the season in Europe, he's not used to the intense training sessions from Jesse Marsh, and he looks from from what I read uh, on a report, the injury report. Both him and BWP are being watched by the Rebels technical staff to make sure that they're not working out too hard, that they stay healthy for game days. One thing we did see, obviously, Alex Moyle, someone who came up through the Red Bulls Academy, Tyler Adams, too. It's just this commitment to youth. Uh, Jesse defended, Jesse Marsh, head coach of the Red Bulls. He sort of defended the program in their youth program in their presser because some other clubs at the, the tournament going on in Dallas were getting some a lot of publicity and stuff like that. So I think a little bit in particular NYCFC with some of the success they were having. So he sort of you know fought back and talked about where the, with the Red Bulls and their academy and you're, you're really starting to see it uh, pay dividends now. We're seeing Wheel where he scored. Tyler Adams, not only his contribution to the Red Bulls, but also to the U.S. team. Both of these guys, I would say a little bit more with uh, first with Adams, from what we've seen with him so far, is there any worry about him about trying to nurture him, not burn him out too much, or do you think it's he looks like the real deal? Like, hey, just just let him let him run run out there, and just let him go and do his thing. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, for a player like that that that's hungry, uh, that has. Uh, that desire to play every day, especially 
now that he's made his his professional debut um i think that the the will and desire um and the drive are there uh to me what concerns me about a young player like that being introduced in the team and being used so often is that uh these kids are not prepared they're not seasoned veterans that know what it takes to play a whole season a whole season is is very um it it works you down it, it's it's especially tough. in the it makes, summer months here in the new york new, new jersey area well, and in mls overall but some of the weather you're gonna hit in the, the summer months here yeah but i'm not even i'm not even talking about uh as far as physically i'm thinking oh, yeah. about, i'm thinking mentally is something that wears you down um playing every day working out every day uh there's so much that you prepare for a game both mentally and physically but i think that the mental aspect that was worries me the most because it will it will wear down on these kids because this is their first season this is the first year that they're playing uh in a full squad and especially for tyler adams that's getting the starts now and he seems to have won that position over sean davis i think that the the, the thing that concerns me the most is whether or not he could stay healthy is whether or not the mental aspect is going to stay there and it's not going to be wearing them down wearing them down on a mental aspect i guess one thing you would also say with alex muel where he came into the team in in uh, sometime in the middle of last season you know, right before the nyc game when they they blew him out 7-0 so he's a little bit more accustomed to it have, have you seen a little bit more of a what we've seen from last year with Muil and just with his progression, what have you seen that shows you that uh, he's starting to take the next step? He's starting to get it. He's starting to really understand what it is to be a true professional in MLS. Yeah, absolutely. So he goes back right to, to what I was saying about Tyler Adams. I think that he, uh, Muil, from what we saw last year, we saw a guy that was consistent. He wasn't too flashy. He wasn't a game changer by any means of, of the Jesse did a pretty good job at his minutes too yeah he put him in like minutes and then he he wouldn't burn him out a whole 90 he would just let him go energize a bunny rabbit then when he needs it he'd pull him back absolutely so so with that also there was careful management by the the red bulls technical staff but i think that what mule brought to the team wheel sorry i keep saying that. bob gallerstein would say wheel, <laughs> the pa announcer uh, for the red bulls long time pa announcer what he's uh what he'll bring to this team is really the consistency and i think that when you play the type of of matches that the the rebels play the type of style that the rebels play i think having consistency is something of an asset because the, the the way they play is such a, a team game and it's so organized on what each what the team is doing in its sectors whether it's the press whether it's the counter press whether it's it's moving in a block it's so concentrated on uh, the team element and effort from each one of the guys that having a guy that brings that consistency to the team and that can give you that effort week in week out is 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 great and i think that's what muil has brought to this team and i uh, last year was a learning experience for him this year he looks a lot more confident on the ball he looks confident in the decisions that he's making because he was given a chance uh and he you know he, he gave jesse marsh every reason to keep giving him chances and this year he's proving to be a guy that's going to be important to this team, whether it's going to get 
uh, a lot of minutes or he's, if he's going to be the first guy off the bench. Yeah, we'll see as some of these other guys come back and they're healthy and any other people who might may may not be promoted into the, the first team and how it affects their minutes. Uh, one last thing on the D.C. and me, even if you want to go back to a little bit with the Orlando game, just um, – we, we questioned a few weeks ago where we saw the, where Parnell was playing pretty well uh, in, in the back four. And it seems like the last few weeks, Colin has come in there and replaced him. We weren't too certain about it. Uh, is, has anything really stood out to you with Colin with the, the past two weeks, the way he's been playing, where it's, you say, hey, you know what? It's good that they brought him back in and you can see why he's uh, regained the starting position, at least uh, the way it looks as of now. Yeah, I think that uh, after that horrible game that Perinell had in in Houston, um, Colin uh, does bring a little bit more maturity. Uh, and, and look, to me, it might be a, a, a something that has to do with the fact that how each one of whether it's Colin or whether it's Perinell uh, plays with Long, right? Because Long, from what we've seen, he looks to be the first name on a team sheet when Jesse Marsh is drawing up in his, his 11. So I think it's just a matter of finding the right um, match for Long. Who's going to play better with Long? Who's going to give better directions to Long? Who's going to be able to uh, direct Long and, and be able to be where Long is lacking. I, and I think that right now, that's the biggest thing. I don't think that Colin is going to be able to play um, all season. I don't think he'll, he'll, he'll stay fit, and I don't think he'll endure the rigorous season, especially in the summer months. So, But it's good that uh, that he's getting the minutes now. He's getting his feet uh, under him. Uh, as we know, he came into camp late. Um, he was a guy that Jesse Marsh at one point during this, this beginning of the season said they were still trying to get him to game rhythm. So maybe this is part of that process to get Colin into the game rhythm. And Jesse Marsh knows that that Colin's not going to be able to play every game. So Perinell is there um, to, to come in. But right now, perhaps that's what Jesse Marsh is going with, Colin and, and his veteranship. All right. Um, as we're talking about earlier, a little bit on the injury front, both is it seems like Mike Grella has come back to be getting a little bit more info. I was reading some of Christian Dyer's and uh, stuff about him about with his return to practice and some of the issues he's been having with his knee. But it seems like for the most part is good. Obviously, I don't think we're going to see him this week because they still got to work him back up into game shape. And then the other guy, as you mentioned earlier, Gonzalo Verone, seems like uh, he's back in the training as well too. I, I'm always concerned with Verone, obviously, just with his history in the past with the injuries and just the inconsistency. So I'm going to ask you, who do you think we see back with the Red Bulls first? Do we think we see Mike Grella back or we see Verone back? Well, from, from the mean, injury reports. Thing, but uh, we'll, we'll just put it out <laughs> to who we think. It, it's it's a toss-up, right? But from the injury reports that um, – that I, that I've seen, right? And, and I think that it's going to depend a lot on the nature of the injury of these guys, right? Mike Grella um, had a, a had a procedure done uh, to his knee. That there was some complaints that he had in the back of his knee, some 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 issues that he had, some pain he was he was going through, and uh, and uh, Verone, he's got the the hamstring. A hamstring yeah, is some fly down to to back to Argentina to go to a doctor. You think with all the doctors yeah. here. It's just, it just I, still seems weird to me. 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe put some horse placenta on that, and now he's feeling better. Yeah. But I think it's just I think it's the nature of uh, of the injury. A uh, hamstring. You always got to be very careful about the hamstring. You got to make sure that the that the muscle uh, heals properly. Uh, that's some of 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 the scarring, uh, if you will, on that muscle heals properly because it's very easy to reaggravate an injury, a hamstring injury. In regards to Mark Grella, his injury is perhaps not something that's that's more muscular. I think it's it's more of a maybe uh, you know I'm 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 no doctor, right? So don't quote me on this and there's probably guys that are going to be listening at this what the hell is this guy talking about? But I think that Mike Grella has a better chance to get back on the field uh and to start training because both of these guys are now training um in a, in in the Red Bulls training facility and on 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 the grass on the pitch if you will but they're not training under percent they're still being monitored by the technical staff but i do think that mike grella is probably the one that's going to get minutes off the bench before uh, gonzalo veron I, i would have to say so too i, I think especially where the going back to the old um formation where that that seemed really to help grella too where he come out from one of the wings and play. I, that's why I could see him come back. And but yeah, you just want to see sort of Verone get back in there and say, you know, to actually see what he f- can finally do for the Red Bulls. Where it's it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle from nonetheless. It's been a struggle, and I wonder how many people out there are still holding out hope that Verone is going to be an inf- impactful uh, player for this team. I know that there's a lot of people that have jumped off that Verone bandwagon, if yeah, you will. You how much how much more time do they give him realistically especially when you're talking about the summer months coming up and sometimes when the transfer windows open up in other leagues especially during the summer months where some of the leagues aren't playing you you really start to wonder now how much more time are they going to give Verone to to finally get it right well i don't know i i think that right now he's a very um he's a figure that divides the masses and if yeah. I don't know if it's a division, if it's an even division, I don't think right now it's not an even division. I think there's a, a small group of, of the fan base that still believes in and Verone. Um, but there's another part of the fan base that that uh, that don't think that he's going to turn out to be anything. Of course, we got to give the benefit of the doubt because he had he has had injuries and he's had flashes um of play where people felt encouraged by this guy's playing all right as we head into this saturday's matchup a big one at red bull arena of 7 30 saturday night against the columbus crew who lead the eastern conference on 13 points from seven games they did defeat toronto fc last week two to one they banged in 11 goals this year they have conceded eight but they've banged in 11 four each coming from uh, justin merriam and Ola Kamara, uh, Red Bulls last season up against Columbus. They drew at Columbus, and they won at home at Red Bull Arena. Obviously, if you go back to two years ago, Columbus was the team that defeated the Supporter Shield champion, regular season champion, New York Red Bulls in the Eastern Conference Final on their way to hosting MLS Cup 2015, which they lost to Portland. As Jesse Marsh did say, we mentioned earlier in his press conference where it's important – well, not really important, but it just seems like the home teams do win. 
in MLS and the way it goes. How important is this game Saturday night? We could say yes, you know, it's still early, it's still April, but heading into this game, a team that is probably going to be right there, back and forth. You talk about the top teams in the East. You throw the Red Bulls in the mix. Toronto could be in the mix. Obviously, Columbus as well. How important is it for Jesse Marsh's guys to go out to Red Bull Arena, as you said, one of the best home teams in MLS, and come away not only with a good result, result but all three points? Yeah, I think it's very important because I think that there's a, there's a a group of teams, uh, three four teams that have kind of been identified as teams that are going to be contenders for the for the Eastern Conference title, and uh, I think that uh, that Columbus is one of them. I think that the Red Bulls had a chance to uh, kind of gauge where they are against one of the contenders against Orlando a couple weeks ago. And I think that they will have another chance to gauge uh, where they're at in their preparation or in their season uh, against Columbus. As you mentioned, Columbus is a very good team. I've played seven games also, the same thing as yeah. uh, as the Red Bulls. Uh, we can't forget Iguain, uh, who has four assists in seven games. Uh, so it, it's going to be a, a tough game for the Red Bulls, but the, the I think the biggest thing for the Red Bulls um, not only is to gauge themselves against uh, a direct opponent uh, in the race for the East, but it's also uh, the Red Bulls want to build up on this momentum that they've kind of generated with DC, and especially when you have a good record at home, as the Red Bulls have, uh, it's important for the Red Bulls to be able to, stake their, their place in this Eastern Conference. Uh, so I think that it's an important game uh, for the Red Bulls, not only, as I mentioned, for them to gauge where they're at, but because it's a direct opponent uh, in the in the same conference. Would you say that despite Columbus leading the conference and expected to be one of the, the contenders start to year, would you, would you consider it a failure if the Red Bulls failed to come away with all three points? Say they came away with a 1-1 draw or a 2-2 draw. Is it still too early to say it's a failure, or is it say no. is that more points dropped? No, not at all. No, not at all. And I think that I, it, I don't it, know. It, it ties into what I just what I just mentioned that this is one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, and I think that if the Red Bulls um, drop points against uh, Columbus, um, I I don't think it's the end of the world because I think that the the Red Bulls are are very they're very aware of who this Columbus team is and what this Columbus team can do. Uh, so I think that dropping points is not the end of the world. I'd be more worried if the, the Red Bulls were dropping points against Philadelphia or even D.C. As well, I mean, because they, they did drop points a few weeks ago against Real Salt Lake. And if we want to figure that they've started to correct some of their problems from that match, okay, yeah, I agree with you. But I, I don't think they can lose on Saturday. All right, maybe if it's not a failure, if they come away with a draw, I understand. I think after just some of their stumbles early on, they got to at least get some sort of – I'm not saying winning streak where they got to win eight or nine in a row, but they got to get some sort of unbeaten streak where they, they go and get points from six, seven, eight, nine straight games just to reestablish themselves, especially yeah. after the early part where things just didn't look so good, just to come back out and try to regain some ground. Obviously, also, we both said both these teams are on um, – seven games on the year because they did play during the international week. So other yeah. teams also have a game in hand. I just think it's a little bit more important for the Red Bulls. Obviously you can talk about it from the Columbus point of view too, 
but at least to get some sort of streak going here where they're collecting points and putting yeah. points in the bank now instead of having them go on some amazing run at the end of the year to, to gain ground. Yeah, I, I agree with you that the Red Bulls could get points, but I think that uh, the test against Columbus and the way the team behaves against Columbus um, is going gonna, is gonna to be able to tell a lot um, on where the Red Bulls are at. So regardless of whether they win or whether they lose, I think that the biggest thing that Jesse Morse is going to be looking at is how the team has progressed uh, within these weeks, especially after changing the formation. I mean, we've been in press conferences, and he, he tends to look past the result and looks more to the processes that the teams are, are assimilating, the ideas that the team is assimilating, how guys are, are, are gelling uh, with this team, uh, with their teammates. And I think that Jesse Marsh will continue uh, to see uh, and to observe what the progression is on this Red Bulls team. Um, as I mentioned, and, and like you said, and I agree with you, that the Red Bulls should be able to to start some kind of a momentum where they uh, gain ground on some of these teams that have had a good start in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but I, I don't think that... Um, It'll be the end of the world if they drop points to Columbus. But I do think that if the team is not showing progression, if Jesse Marsh is not showing progression, then there's there's a problem. All right, as we're wrapping up here, is there anything different you would see from the two previous weeks, whether it's lineup or any other tactical adjustments, that you would uh, tinker with or change heading into this Columbus game? Anything with the lineup, or would would you want to go with the same thing, uh, same lineups that they've had the past two weeks, or at least last week? in the victory against DC. Is there anything that they need to change heading into this Columbus game? No, I don't, I don't think they need to change anything at all. And I think that if you, if you want to build up on your momentum, um, you got to give the same guys the, the, the reps, right? So the more reps you give these guys, the better chance the team has of, of evolving, of progressing, of improving. Um, I think that, um, taking guys out and, and giving guys some playing time and, and managing the minutes that each of these guys is getting is perhaps not the right idea right now because the Red Bulls are trying to get on a positive momentum. So I think that Jesse Marsh has to stick with what's working for him right now, and he has to let the guys do what they're capable of doing. He has to let uh, Sasha Kleshin be a factor. Um, he has to to let both Tyler Adams and Philippe get accustomed to them to to their themselves, and he has to let BWP uh, do the thing he does and, and get the balls in the back of the net. Uh, Royer, I think that he, I've seen him in in a better form. Uh, I think that right now he's he's on the fringe, and I think that if maybe Mike Grell is healthy, Royer gets a, a sit on the bench. Uh, but uh, you know, Muil, I think it's great. Uh, Take his momentum and go with it. The kid is playing well. Everybody seems to have taken a step in the right direction. The team is not there against. Uh, the team is not there yet. Uh, and regardless of whether they had the win against DC or not, they still have a lot of improvement to do. And I think that right now you just give reps to these guys so they continue to improve. It will be a big one Saturday as we see the improved Red Bulls formation. If this will be one of their biggest tests here going up against Columbus, someone who they're going to be with probably neck and neck all throughout the year with a few other teams. And we'll see what happens on Saturday. We'll see what kind of result the, the Red Bulls get. Uh, 
for the Red Bull fans. Hopefully it's another three points and they start building an unbeaten streak here as we head into the month of May and they're on yeah, forward. Not, well, not only that, as you also want to generate a little bit of a, of a buzz within the community, right? Yeah. Uh, you want to make sure get that the, you get, get the fans people, back out to Red get Bull the fans back too. out, especially now that the weather is getting better. Uh, I know that there's a lot of um, activities that, that that parents and families are participating in, especially with uh, outdoor soccer uh, kicking off and, and going on right now. But 7.30 games, there's no reason. Saturday night, 7.30. There's no reason why you shouldn't make an outing out of it. Bring out the family. Um, and, and you look, it's a great atmosphere. And I think that everyone that goes to Red Bull Arena, at least the people that I've known, that I've known and that I've spoken to, uh, they all think it's a great uh, atmosphere and a great time. So the Rebels need to create that buzz and need to pull fans into the seat. 7.30 p.m. We'll see what happens against Columbus. Alfredo, it's always great once again to talk to you. I'll see you soon. Yep. All right. For Alfredo Fumasas, I'm Mike Corbett. Thanks once again for listening to the Full of Bulls podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening.